my personal opinion is, is if they want to go to production, and this is way off topic, but hear me out for a second. My personal opinion is, is if they want to go to a production platform completely and still try to keep Indian involved, attract back Harley Davidson, and go that direction. Episode 89, Kevin Varnes edition, Tank Slapping Podcast, dialing it up, another show, post-Texas Half Mile, on the other side of the mic, Robbie Bobby McClendon, back on the pod. What's up, man? Dude, I'm really, really, really excited about this one. I get excited about all of them, but uh, I'm going to let you introduce our uh, our guest, but man, let's just say that I'm I'm like writing out a book here because there's so much knowledge about to get dropped here, and I, I feel like it's going to be a good one, man. Yeah, we got Jared Meese coming on. No, no further explanation needed. Uh, multiple time champ, promoter of Lima and now the Springfield Mile. And is he currently? No, I think he's second in points right now. But um, we're two races in, so yeah, I, I want to ask him about that as well. The whole when you start looking at that type of thing. But a lot of different things we can talk to Jared about. We're going to talk to him about the singles on the mile this year at Springfield. Uh, Springfield. Talked to him about track prep, um, you know, what, what's been going on with the Indian FTR 750 from his point of view and what efforts his team has taken this off season. And obviously we're seeing some parity, Rob, with uh, different bikes. Now the Yamahas are very competitive and I want to get some thoughts from Jared on that as well. And there's, yeah, just a lot of stuff we can talk about. And Jared's got a lot of good knowledge and insight and I'm excited to have him on chat with him actually. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be good because we're going to challenge him. We're going to talk a little shit with him. But at the same time, we both know that he's going to dish it right back. And, and he can bullshit a lot, but he's generally a straight shooter like, when it's a serious topic. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. There's going to be some really good info mixed in with some flagrant bullshit. <laughs> so so I'm, I can't I can't wait. It's just right up our alley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it'll be it'll be awesome. Um, I want to go in and talk about a couple things with me and you uh, pretty much about this weekend, Texas half mile. But before we do that, got to make sure we plug these sponsors and make this show happen. Um, if you can follow these, these companies on social media and shoot them a thank you. Like this is a, a free podcast for the fans. We, um, we support, you know, all these companies, they make it happen. So if you can support those who support us in the sport and uh, we'll keep this show rolling, but mission foods, they do a lot for the sport in general. You see them everywhere, helping riders, supporting racetracks, events, supporting the series mission challenges. They do so much and we're very thankful to have them on board. Um, they're also a big supporter of our show bell power sport. Check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. I wear the race star flex. The quality and safety is unmatched. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by bell Yamaha motorsports and Yamaha racing. Check out their website at Yamaha motorsports.com. Blue crew has been crushing it with from Eli Tomac to uh, I saw Fabio finished on the podium, MotoGP. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, the Essenson team's crushing it. So a lot of Yamaha's production twin Yamaha took the win. So uh, a lot of Yamaha's are uh, doing well right now. Uh, make sure you check them out. Yamaha revs your heart. Indian Motorcycle. Since 1901, Indian Motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. And as Indian Motorcycle showed at Texas, they're not backing down, Rob. They are, uh, they've won both races so far. So it's been a a challenge. I think uh, we'll get some more insight from Jared on how challenging it really is. We, we talked to Jerry Stinchfield last week and 
he, you know, he touched on it a little bit, but in the end motorcycle, they're, uh, they're here for it and they're going to, you know, they're not just going to give up. So um, really stoked to have them supporting our show. Moto America circuit of the Americas, April 8th to the 10th Coda, baby. It's a good one. If you haven't been to Austin, Texas, it's probably my favorite city in the country. It's so much fun. It's scary fun. Um, if you can't be to the race live, make sure you subscribe to the live plus package 89 99 for the season or 12 99 per event. Dunlop motorcycle tires, 19 inch and 17 inch flat track tires. Now make sure you check them out. Dunlop motorcycle tires.com Dunlop supports American flat track. They're the official tire of the series. And they're also the only tire brand that I know of that has a full supported amateur flat track team. Uh, make sure you check them out and support Dunlop and roof systems of Dallas, Texas, Jerry Stinchfield, commercial and industrial roofing company with nearly four years of experience. Again, his website, commercialroofsystems.net. Texas half mile, Rob, what do you got? Oh man. Well, of course the Facebooks did not disappoint. I, I, you know what? I really did not realize that there was quite honestly, like hundreds, maybe even thousands of track prep specialists on Facebook. Why didn't we just look at Facebook? Um, I mean, it's, it's like Ray Charles could tell that, you know, the track conditions weren't ideal. Uh, my guy wasn't having fun. And, and like he said, that fourth place was like a win for him. Uh, but our other guy, Morgan took the win in singles. My man, Corey Texter took the win in uh, the production and Jared Meese took the win in, in super. So, I mean, <clears throat> kind of for that kind of car track, I'm just going to say it that, uh, the usual suspects were out front or the usual suspects won, but going well, back to Yamaha, man, them super twin Yamahas are, 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 uh, they're, they're nipping at the heels, man. They're chomping at the bit, man. And it's not just one, it's both of them. So that, that should worry some folks. Cause if it was just JD having just an off day or Dallas, just having a really good day, it'd be a different story, but dude, these guys are putting in the work, man. And it's, um, I'm looking here right now. So you were right. Briar's leading by one point with Jared in second, but JD is only two points back and Dallas is another five points back from them. So, and then Harley fifth. So, and three different brands in the top five. When has that ever happened in flat track? Yeah, I think it's only well, second no. round. It's only second round. So That's let's not I mean. get too carried away. You can't but, really look at points right now. And the guys that are doing it, like I'm seeing it with riders. It's like, uh, it's two races. But here, so. But uh, hear me out on this though. Hear me out real quick, real right. quick, because generally one of the first two races, I think in the last few years has been like a TT. So it's not that unexpected to see a Yamaha or a different brand up there, but we ain't had no TTs yet. And the Yamaha is like, is there. So yeah, I'm really I mean, curious to see from Jared what yeah. his feeling is. No, I, I think Volusia was um, a track that I think a, uh, a production bike could do well with the track conditions and how much, rain we got or whatever, but Texas, I mean, it was, people were calling it a dry slick and I disagree. It was like a, um, uh, hooked up type of deal, but it was technical. We'll, we'll talk more about the track in a bit, but there was grip in that track. Um, but again, I wanted to touch upon, you talked about Mitchler, you talked about Meese. Um, those are actually my, my winners. Uh, I predicted those winners for Volusia, uh, didn't happen. And then they won Texas as well. So, um, so we talked about that, or I, I, you know, I, that was my, those are my picks for Volusia and yeah, I mean, it's, there's a lot to talk about. Um, you know, like you mentioned, everybody's a, a fucking track expert on, on the Facebook groups. And it's like, I feel like some of these fans, they only watch the races so they can bitch about something on Facebook. Like, oh my God, I generally like, I'm questioning whether or not like most of these fans 
even enjoy like watch even enjoy the sport anymore like and it's so funny i see people all the time i'm done with aft or i'm done with this um but like then they comment a day later or it's like man anything like texas was the perfect track for people to come out and just complain about the event and it, you know the track i we could talk about track prep for, for for the whole show and we'll touch upon that more with me so i'm not going to talk about it too much um right now but we will address um keep listening to the show we're going to ask jared and about the track prep and me and rob Wentz add some insight as well but um generally speaking um i would rather them take the time try and sweep it try and you know water it or whatever um and put us on a track that's safe then rush through the program like we did at charlotte i felt last year and we didn't take the time to prep the track so with that being said i I think what they did, um, you know, it sucked for me. Like it was a, there was three red flags or whatever in my race. I'm literally sitting at, I'm leading the main event. I'm sitting, you know, the staggered start with my helmet on for 15 minutes, waiting for them to make the track better. But, you know, is, is it ideal? No, but I'd rather do that than just send us out on a marbly, you know, type of racetrack and having Brian Smith and those guys, um, there to kind of provide some insight. And they did ask our feedback and we, you know, we tried to come up with the best decision possible, but, um, but I, I am thankful. Um, and it's, it's a bummer for, for the fans, like sitting there, like, that's what I was stressed about. I'm like, man, this sucks. Like the fans are just sitting up there and, um, appreciate you guys, the fans for, for those who hung around and, and watched us do our thing. It's, it's not on the riders, man. And sometimes we, it, it sucks to see all the comments from riders. Like we want you guys to support us and everybody that's kind of hammering the sport. It's like, as a rider, it really sucks to see Rob. Oh, for sure, man. And, and the thing is, you know, we could all sit here and bash AFT all damn day long, but on this instance, like, dude, they, I mean, yeah, I don't love the sweeper. Like, I don't think that's like the best. I, I would not personally have chosen that as my number one go-to for track prep, but the fact that, you know, they saw there's an issue and they're, they were still trying like, and, and I made a comment on Facebook, of course, you know, I'm not going to not do that. <laughs> the, uh, they, they put down a shit ton of calcium too, which is supposed to help with dust and hold the track together. I'm just wondering, maybe did they put too much? Cause when Dalton came in, dude, you couldn't like, he couldn't even open his eyes. They were like, I took him in the motorhome and like turned him upside down in the sink and was like flushing his eyes. And he was in the worst spot because the top three guys were kind of stuck together. So they didn't really feel as much dust, I don't think. Maybe they got eye problems. But Dalton, you know, he was just cruising by himself for most of the race. And then I think I talked to or heard from Gage Smith's mom, who big shout out to Gage Smith, fast qualifier, first time as a rookie. Yeah. Uh, but his eyes were jacked up too. So I'm wondering, you know, and, and there is a science to it, but maybe they put too much calcium. I, I don't know. But the thing is, like, you you can bash them all day long, but it wasn't like they were like, Hey guys, fuck off, go race. This is what you get. Like they tried, we delayed the program, which I know the fans, like, I hate that for you guys, but they were trying to make it a better show for the fans. So you got to kind of give them some credit, even though, you know, I heard multiple rumors like, Oh, they ran out of water or they just started working on the track on Friday. Like you never know. And as we all know, one thing on Facebook blows up and then next thing you know, you know, you got, you're so far away from the actual truth. Now, I will say that, you know, I, I wasn't too thrilled to see, you know, Moorhead make a comment about calling all the riders bottom feeders. Like, the racers are going to go where the fast line is. Like, they did that in the 70s when Moorhead. It wasn't like when Moorhead was racing 
that you know everybody was top to bottom everywhere and there was no dust and there was well no the bikes are different the bikes are different oh, too they're you know? so much different but my yeah. point is like why would you just sit there and call every rider a bottom feeder look at briar bauman like like in dalton for instance those two i both saw them go on the top a little bit outside the groove and dude you lose like so much time like like what do you want them to do keep working the high line until they get lapped you know like it just well, it's not feasible so, i like <laughs> steve as a as a guy man i think he really does he does want what's best for us and man it's sometimes he gets uh it's hard to ask him a question because he gets a little like feisty it's like no man i'm just asking a question like so I, I think a lot of the guys they need to keep uh not a lot but there's some guys with aft that need to just keep that in perspective. It's like, man, I get it. You guys are doing a job, but we're also doing a job. Like we're out here putting on a show. We should feel like it's okay to ask a question without getting, um, you know, and, and I, I'm sure they get hammered with, you know, riders like freaking out as well, but everybody's got to do a, uh, a better job at trying to stay calm and coming up with a good solution. And, um, yeah, that comment, I, somebody sent me that, that he made on Facebook, which was bold. I couldn't believe he made that comment. It's like, it's like, you can't compare what they did in the eighties to now. Like the, um, for one tracks fucking sucked in the eighties too. Like I've seen some video, everyone talks about, you know, how, how much better the tracks were. That is a false narrative. Um, oh, I've seen a some tracks that back then that were horrific. Um, and they didn't have air fences. They didn't have airbag suits. They didn't have great helmets. Fuck, half the fuckers didn't wear gloves. They had freaking fence posts. Like, dude, we saw on any, of course, yeah. it's the 70s, but on any Sunday, there was part of the story where it's like, yeah, so-and-so went through a freaking four-by-four four fence. Like, yeah. like, I get it. Yeah, guys were tough as shit back then, but we're, we're pretty tough now, but we just have extra safety. But it doesn't mean we should, because we have an airbag suit, we should just automatically lay over on making it better. Like, you can always improve stuff. And Well, what I was saying, like too, said, Rob, man, like, is... Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish on what you're saying. No, no, no. You're, you're fine, man. I'm, I'm just rambling on, man. No, no. It's you know, uh, it's a passionate subject, man. We're getting fired up. But no, it's um. what I was going to say is the bikes are different. Like um, everybody rode Rotaxes. Everybody rode, you know, Harley 750s or whatever. They were big momentum bikes back in the day. So um, the bikes we have now, they're faster. They're parallel twins. The power delivery is different. We have 450s that they're, they're set up for moto it's, it's not as easy. It's not, it's, it's just a different style of riding. Like I've had to adapt. Like I grew up riding a Harley 750 and it was a big momentum type of deal. And if you watch my riding, I've adapted to a point and shoot kind of guy because you know, you got to adapt to what you're riding. So yeah, that, that was kind of a, uh, you know, that was kind of annoying to read, but, um, but it is what it is, man. There's you know, a lot we could talk about with that, but we'll bring on our guests, man. And we'll just chat about it with him. Uh, it's, uh, man, I, I don't even, is it six time or seven time? Jared Meese champion. Uh, how many times, man? Depends who's counting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm counting. How many times? Seven. 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 All right. I like it. I like it. Well, we are talking track prep, man, over the weekend. And, uh, there's a couple of things I have listed here. Some really good topics I want to talk with you about. Um, but I guess just your general thoughts. We'll keep it general for now on, on the weekend um, on the track itself. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, man, there's so much that can be said on just that, but it's, uh, it was a pretty normal Texas, Texas motor speedway. Honestly. I mean, we all knew what we were getting ourselves into year after year there. Uh, I personally, it felt like I've rode a lot worse. Um, and if you got off the groove, you were you were screwed. And that's the same thing that goes for a place like Sacramento Mile. You know, that place is full table smooth. The groove is 
you know, three foot wide. And if you get off of it, you're going to lose two seconds a lap or something like that. So it's, it's just, um, you know, Texas was a little bit choppier. I think one thing that actually uh, plays a role for Texas is like Sacramento, <clears throat> the groove gets so black and blue. It's very easy to see and read it where Texas, even though it gets hard and abrasive and there's a hard groove, it's kind of hard to see as a rider. And even if you're looking up from like the stands or, you know, from the, from the sideline, it's actually hard to see the groove. Like everything kind of blends together out there with the groove, the marbles. So I guess in a way it's kind of deceiving and it's hard to, 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 uh, to judge the groove where, like I said, Sacramento is easy. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's how I see it. And I think that's I the reason why so many, so many people were misjudging where they were at on the racetrack or, you know, they thought this was the groove and all of a sudden, boom, they're in the marbles and step sideways. I mean, but overall, I mean, it was a pretty, pretty normal Texas. Uh, I feel like that place could be okay, but there needs to be a lot more work and effort put into it. We, you know, they dealt with big, heavy winds leading into it. And I think it needs to be one of those things where whatever the track needs, whenever the track needs, it needs to happen. If we got to go out there and water that place at two o'clock in the morning because the, the, uh, the winds died down then, then somebody needs to wake up and go water the track at two o'clock in the morning whatever needs to be needs to be, you know, that's how, that's how I see it. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely, completely agree with you. And, and it's, it's kind of, kind of, I don't know, man, I saw all, all day I'm keeping track of it and, and watching you compared to some of the other guys. Like there's some riders like just losing their shit. And every time I saw you or we even talked a few times, you were composed, you were calm and you're kind of just prepared for whatever it gave you. Cause you weren't going to be swayed by, you know, the track conditions and it, and it shows, I mean, it was one of them tracks where you're going to turn your laps and hit your marks. And I would say probably in the feature, you know, for your first three quarters of the race, you probably had a two tenth spread if, if that, and then of course, you know, it kind of, kind of looked like you settled in, but, uh, um, I, I'm not surprised at all at the results. I'm, I'm actually in agreement with you on, on what to do with the track as well. You know, if it needs to be at 2 AM, get your ass up at 2 AM and, and dump the water down. Cause, you know, I, I think that, man, it, it's hard to say. I don't want to sound too critical or anything, too, but you, you basically nailed it, man. Like, that's that's Texas for you. It's it's not going to be Volusia, and I think a lot of people thought you were going to get a groove from top to bottom, and I don't think we've ever had that there. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, there were some things that i seen that I didn't agree with. Like, I don't know why they threw calcium chloride on a hard surface and then came out with the sweeper. 15 minutes later and swept it all off. Like that made zero sense, but yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not the guy that calls that shot, you know? And, and uh, like I said, I would have done things differently and done whatever it took, but it's not, it's not my deal. You know, I, I, I will say this, I'm, I'm sick and tired of just going to places like this and, and delaying it. I mean, we got the, the live streaming is, is skipping and messing up and guys are losing interest and, turning it off i mean it does not look good at all for what we're trying to do and here we are on what year five or six and and we're still having these same exact problems like we got a long way to go before we can move to that next level on things and uh you know this this does not look good for for anybody yeah man i yeah, for sure i agree i was sitting on the uh on the track waiting for our race to get going again and all I kept saying to Big P, I'm like, man, this sucks. Like the fans are just sitting there. Like, 
you know, instead of me, like kind of worrying about my race, it's like, man, we got to get going. We got to get going. Like the fans, I could visibly see they're getting, they're getting frustrated sitting, sitting around. It's like, damn, we gotta, you know, we gotta get out there. And I guess the sweeper thing helped a little get the marbles off, but at some point we, we got to get back on the track and, you know, and that's kind of what I wanted to ask you as well. Um, I got my own thoughts on it, but at what point do you feel the riders need to take accountability when the track isn't good? Um, at what point is, you know, it's like the track's okay to ride, but not race. Um, you know, on a track like that, it's, you know, the beauty of flat track is there's so many different surfaces, track sizes, shapes, TTs, half miles. You're not going to get the same shit every weekend. And sometimes you just got to, as a rider, you got to make the, you got to adapt and, and do with, you know, what the track gives you, um, you know, with, with that, what, where do you think the riders can take more accountability on a, on a surface like that? Uh, I mean, if you're the problem with individual riders is they have strengths in individual spots and, you know, everybody gets to be a little bit biased, uh, on what they feel is is safe or unsafe you know like for me i felt way more uncomfortable at volusia the week before than i did texas that being said i didn't feel like volusia was was dangerous i just felt like i was more on the edge at volusia than i was at texas um for me you go out to volusia and you ride it the best you can and then and you move forward but you know and same goes for texas for me, if you if you can't see, like there was a year, there was a there was one of the I can't remember the year. It was at Santa Rosa, like that track was just unbearable. Like the way we were getting sprayed down, we couldn't see. It was rough, but mainly it was like you couldn't see. And then there was a time at uh, Syracuse Mile one time where they used the wrong chemical uh, to, to prep the racetrack, and it was like super slippery. But more than anything, you couldn't see. Like the lighting was so bad. That you you couldn't see so those are the times for me that are like you know hey this this is this is really bad we can't see we're getting lights out the spray but when it comes down to just you know the track being a little bit rough or inconsistent or it's it's uh it's grooved up or inconsistent you just i mean you just got to manage it personally yeah see that's that's what i like to hear because I mean, for you to come out and say that too is pretty. I think from somebody with so many championships, it's it's pretty incredible to hear because you read on the Facebook, and I know you. I know you read on there too. Now you're pretty. You're a lot lot uh, quieter than I am, of course, but uh, for obvious reasons. <laughs> but but you know, you just nailed it on the head. You know, there was there's certain riders out there that are kind of looking for a reason to complain about the track, or maybe use it as kind of like a crutch and. And week in and week out, you know, Mies is, you know, I was surprised to see you at Volusia struggle as much. And I even texted you like, dude, what, what happened? And, uh, you know, you just own it. Sometimes it's not your night, but, um, you know, you got, you got to figure it out. And I think that's what you did at Texas. You know, you're like, you can't ever count Jared Mies out. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I mean, it, it was just, it was weird to hear. I mean, there was a rider I heard going around in the super twins class kind of like and we shouldn't be riding we need to stick together and throw the towel in on this and i'm like are you guys you know you shitting me here like this is by far you know not even close to something the worst i've ever rode before you know and i don't well, know if there's much truth to it but well i asked you right there to your face i said well how do you feel this compared to uh what was it meadowlands like 
when all the riders kind of came together and, and you're like, dude, it's not even that bad. And we raced there too. So, you know, that right there was enough for me to point blank, go back and tell my rider, like, look, man, you know, you got a guy that's a multi-time champion. He's Well, I he's think gonna- a lot of guys get anxious uh, when they see guys crashing. You know, we've been through such, such drama and tough times seeing, you know, our friends and riders get hurt that they see riders falling and automatically it's like, oh, the track's dangerous. It's like, man, like, looking back and watching the race, it's like everybody that fell, they simply got off the groove. Like, I don't think, you know, there's technical and then there's dangerous. And like Jared mentioned, um, tracks like Syracuse back in the day with the wrong chemical or tracks where you can't see like Meadowlands was really tough because it was really rough and it was kind of hard to see where that, where that's kind of something that's dangerous. And on track, like, like I, I'm with Jared on Volusia, like, uh, I felt really uncomfortable at Volusia as well, but at the end of the day, it's like, you didn't see me bitch about the track. It's like, ah, eh, some guys were just better at it than I was. So it's, um, wasn't my favorite track, but, um, but it is what it is. And yeah, a lot of you, you just got to take accountability, I think as well, like, like he said, but, um, but anyway, enough about the track. We could talk about that probably all day. Um, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, obviously we're two races in here to this new season and project Indian restriction is two races underway um what are your thoughts on where you're at with your bike as opposed to last year and is there more improvement uh you guys can do i'm sure kenny you know it was a it was a tough off season for for your team yeah um you know i'll be straight honest with you like that uh the placement of where the restrictor is between the, the velocity stack and the top of the throttle body or the back of the throttle body it makes it tough versus like on the XR, <clears throat> the restrictor plate was in front of the carburetor and um, uh, made it a lot easier. It seemed like to, uh, to like overcome the, uh, the deficit. So, you know, with that said, um, what I'm trying to get at is there's not a whole lot of things that are really like, we're like we're throwing at it that are really progressing it. So, kind of almost like at this point we got what we got um so far on the half miles it doesn't seem like i'm really that underpowered at all you know especially in texas we were really hooked up and actually maybe the restrictor is hooking us up even harder but uh you know all in all i think we'll be okay the miles i mean miles are probably going to be a little bit tougher than they were in the past for sure just uh down on power down on torque so we'll see what it brings us all right, I want to ask a point blank question here too. You got your same team, same crew, everything, sponsors and everything, but you don't have an Indian. So let's just say for next year you're going you got to go a different route. You're going to go with a Yamaha, you're going to do a Kawasaki, you're going to do a Harley or you're going to put a production Indian motor in or what would your have you even thought about this yet or are you like 100% committed like I'm riding out the Indian train? You know, I pretty much want to ride out the Indian train just because they've been they've been really good to me, uh, very loyal. I've done very well for myself with them over the last few years for sure. So, uh, no, I so haven't really thought the, much about it. I'm gonna say, I, say I would, the Indian train I, pulls into the station. Yeah, I really think the uh, the XG should be a, a good bike. Honestly, just the diameter of the crankshaft and um, it's a V twin. I think the V twins. Seemed to, according to Kenny, have always been a little bit better than than the parallel twins. Although obviously the Yamahas have been showing pretty good strength, and 
you know, in the production class, obviously Corey's been very uh, dominant on the on the Yamaha. But I think I think I would take the XG. Uh, I haven't really dove really that far into them. It does appear like the Yamahas are doing well, and it looks like they they built like a big cover on the outside of their their engine for a larger flywheel weight to increase the inertia. So I'm sure that's you know, helping out a lot. So, uh, honestly for me, it would be what would, what would be the best support overall and more or less the total package. Cause I really feel like if Indian pulled out, I think you can almost make any one of the brands, uh, go around the racetrack pretty good. Have yeah. You heard does Indian. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Corey. No, I, I, it's cool. I just wanted to do a follow-up. I actually had this in my notes, but, um, it's very uncommon that you comment on stuff on the groups. I mean, it's, the Facebook groups. I mean, it's pretty, it's that shit's poison. Like it's, it's, you start, you comment once and then like your eight comments later, it's like, fuck, you just get sucked in. So, um, but I did see a comment from you and you mentioned um, people talk about how, how costly it is to buy an Indian or to have an Indian motorcycle to go racing. I think the bike was like 45 grand to buy initially. Um, But you made the comment that you feel the, like the bikes like Essenson, um, they have quite a bit more into their program. Um, can you, what are your thoughts on like what they're doing over there or maybe shed some light on how much, and it's props to them. I mean, how much effort and money they're putting in to that program to make those bikes work as opposed to like another, like my production Yamaha, um, you know, their effort is, is, uh, you know, it's kind of underrated and what they're throwing at that bike. And, um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Like, as far as their program goes? Yeah. I mean, outside looking in, you know, he's, uh, Tim's been spending, you know, lots of, uh, money and resources and development and chassis. And I mean, you know, good for him. He's basically going, Hey, I'm going to do whatever it takes to spend whatever it takes to, uh, to get these things to the front. And that's, that's awesome. Like, you know, we had, three more guys like Tim Essenson in the sport or sport would be better, honestly. But, but in all reality, so let's just say, for example, the Indian goes away and it goes to production and they call the Yamaha that, yes, this the teams are running or full production, which I believe they are. Imagine how hard and difficult it would be for a guy like Davis Fisher or, um, you know, Brandon Price or even the Jerry Stinkshield, Johnny Goats. Imagine how hard difficult it would be to pick the phone up and order parts to make your Yamaha be as efficient as the, the Essison Yamaha. I mean, the, the problem is, is there really isn't a phone number or a person to call to order those pieces and parts that are on that bike that make it that much better. And I'm not complaining about it. I'm just, that's a, that's a fact, right? So, oh, yep. so the one thing that's always been good about the Indian motorcycle is, yeah, okay, it's purpose-built. Yeah, okay, it's 45000 bucks. But a guy like Davis Fisher, Johnny Goad, anybody in the sport can pick the phone up and order any part, any crankshaft, anything that's on that motorcycle sold in the dealership and get it within a reasonable time. Of course, yes, things are back-ordered, and yes, in the times we are in today currently, you know, things might be delayed. But so I mean... So it's a Honda 450 valve, you know what I mean? Like it's things are things are back order right now. But what I'm getting at is like Davis, if I'm Davis and, and Kenny Coolbest said this last year, he was like, man, if I had to go and go full production, it would make it way tougher on me. 
like going to the dealership and buying the bike ready to go and being able to buy everything uh, over the phone and get it shipped to my to my house and, and throw it in the bike makes my life so much easier. And, uh, you know, just, just make my life easy. So yeah, I get that, man. I thought I was getting pulled over. Um, anyway, so that, that's where that's at. I mean, like I said, hats off to the Esteson guys and, and the Yamaha guys, but man, if it goes full production, like, I don't even know where guys would almost start at, you know, to, to keep up with almost them because, you know, the covers, the frames, the chassis, the traction control, everything they have going on is absolutely awesome. But a guy like Davis to almost keep up with that is going to be very, very difficult. And there's really, I mean, nothing that special with the Indian that you buy off the showroom floor versus, you know, the Indians that are Briar and I are running. I mean, yeah, of course, Tolbert's works the magic for sure on the miles. And, you know, there's definitely, you know, nothing something to be said with what he does there. But in all honesty, I mean, Davis Fisher, one time, I remember he sold his Kawasaki's or parked his Kawasaki's, bought a Indian off the showroom floor that week, went to Calistoga, and I believe fast qualified that weekend. You know, that's pretty cool. Oh, they're, they're definitely badass. And then that brings a follow-up question with you is um, for, in, in essence of the essence and team, if they do go full production next year, in the future, whatever, does do they still allow twingles and trash control or is it going to be basically like production production because that would change things because you know to have a good traction control you need a good guy that knows what the hell he's doing on the computer i mean that's critical and i I do see some i see some road race guys from from back in my day at the essence and pit so i don't know if that's something jd worked out to bring in but you know, clearly you're not going to just bolt on a, a, you know, a traction control ECU and it's going to be set up perfectly. It's just not going to happen, especially with, with the different tracks. So that would certainly be a factor. And, and I agree a hundred percent, you know, if your Davis is not going to build a essence and Yamaha in his garage. Now, Corey said a hundred times, like you can definitely build a Corey texture Yamaha because, you know, his guys work great, but you know, I think that uh, there's definitely going to be a, a level that they're going to have to still figure out no matter what, because, you know, if you get rid of the Indian, there's what, 10 of them running right now or 10 teams that have them roughly. So all 10 of those guys are going to have to pick a Yamaha, a Harley or whatever. And, you know, they're definitely not all compared equally. Yeah, I would say they need to probably do away with the electronics and, you know, the twingling side of things. I don't really, I mean, you know more than me, Robbie, Bobby, about that. I, I don't know how difficult it really is to twingle an XG or a Yamaha. I think it's basically done almost with the with is it flipping the cams themselves or is yeah. it literally just the computer? I don't even. No, it's it's cams and ignition. It's it's not the end of the world by any means, but it's just another variable. Remember back in the day, I think uh, Parker had an interview yeah. and he said his XR he wanted you know this engine in this frame with this twingle and vice versa. And Warner's like, well, we got this and this, but we you're gonna have to have two different bikes still. So who who <laughs> knows? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I, obviously things would have to be looked at to see what would be the best for the sport and the paddock. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, back in the day when we were twingling the XRs, it wasn't the end of the world to do it. It was time consuming. People made a point to say that it was harder on crankcases and uh, it, it ruined, it, it shortened the lifespan of them um, and they did away with it. And then when I was like talking to Kenny about it, he's like, nah, it didn't, I broke just as much stuff. Swingling them as I did not swingling, so it didn't matter. So 
you know, I, I don't know, but. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that had a lot to do with just, you know, how hard you run them things. I mean, a lot of XRs. I mean, even I've heard of brand new engines. You know, I know, uh, you know, we had one from Sammy that was, that was, you know, fresh as hell. And it freaking broke on us on the stand warming up for practice. So, you know, I think that's just kind of an XR thing. Like if the cases are going to break, it's probably because they're, you know, the uh, aluminum and stuff was all made and designed in what the early 70s and the castings and everything. So, you know, I, I don't think that's as big of a deal as anything else, but, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely see your point on that. Yeah. I just, um, and I don't even know how much the, the electronics with the traction controls even really playing, uh, you know, a key role in, in, in the essence of results for all I know, they could be laughing at our podcast right now and being like, these guys, we haven't even ran that thing yet this year. And I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Like I really, and the traction control thing is a, is a tough thing to swallow, but obviously if it got figured out, um, everybody would need to have it. And I think it's a pretty, I mean, just the unit itself, I think you probably got to run like a, what a Morelli or a, a Motet okay. or something like that to yeah, try, yeah. try to make that work. And I don't have no clue what those are worth, but uh, anyway, you know, it's, what I, I will say, it's good to see that um, it's good to see them doing good. Um, it's good to see some brands on the podium, you know, obviously in everybody's mind. And I even think some of the, some of their mind are kind of like, man, you know, is, is this, this really feel that true or you know does it uh does it sting a little bit that we had to put a restrictor in their bikes to to make this work but in all in all honesty outside looking in if you're a manufacturer or you're a fan you know they probably don't know the ins and outs that we do so it's 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 probably an overall good thing it's just uh we'll have to see how the miles go and maybe i'll start complaining after the miles more um as so moving on from that uh i wanted to talk about kind of the season a little bit um so you know as a seven-time champ like we talked about you've you've wanted you've wanted a bunch and you've won it many different ways um at what point in the season do you you start looking at points um because you see some riders now they look at they're looking at points the fans talking about points realistically we're two races into I guess there's 17, but I, I heard we're going to do 18. Um, as a champion that's done it before and giving young guys advice that, that want to be a champion, like when do you look at that? Um, when, when does it start getting important? Um, I guess probably a, a little over halfway, you know, you, you got to know that you're in striking distance, you know, like, right. I mean, it's, you can't come to halfway point and be 55 points back and, and, you know, think, oh, man, points don't matter yet. Well, that's, you know, halfway and you're 55 points back. It's, it's pretty much over, you know. But, uh, I mean, to answer your question, I mean, yeah, everybody pays attention to the points. Everybody knows the points. But, like, right now, you know, when I, w- when I left Volusia, I was 11 down from Briar. It was like, I mean, I'm not worried about that yet. You know, it's way too early to think about that. Next race, you know, I'm one behind them. So, I mean, it's like, you know, it's obvious that, points can flip-flop week in and week out but you know when you get to that last five race stretch you know you start you start putting things more in perspective because you don't have that much time to bring that back you, you know you're five races to go you're, you're down 10 up 10 you have a bad race you lose 10 you're kind of jockeying it around going man i don't have much time i got to make sure that i'm in these kind of positions or at least i'm beating the guy i'm battling with points with so you know last five races if it's me and briar do everything I can to beat them, whether I'm ahead or behind, because you don't want to give that deficit up. 
Yep, yep. I, I can I can see that, but also at the same time, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not throwing the BS flag or anything on you, but uh, last year I think a lot of guys had written you off, especially with uh, the knee injury because that's a, that was a pretty serious one. But so, somehow, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, man. Like, and I tell the same thing about Corey too. Like, you guys can have the shittiest day. You know, I've seen Jeremy start like like where the hell did he even start? And you can't even see him be so far back. And then, you know, lap four, especially like on the miles, but well, fuck, Jared's in the lead. What the hell happened there? And, uh, you know, you just got to – you figure shit out. But um, I, I, I wouldn't – I tell Dalton the same thing all the time. Like, dude, don't even sweat the points right now. Like, we've been in way worse positions before, you know. And, and you know, you just got to take what you get. That's all there is to it, man. Yeah, I think actually people get so way more uptight about them the first two or three races in because, you know, everybody's on 11 playing for the field with zero points and then – you know, it's just everybody wants to on the first race. Everybody wants to open the round round with a win. I mean, that always feels good. It's what you work months and months for, you know. Like, you're on the bicycle train and your focus is winning Belusha. You know, it's the only thing that's on your mind. And then you come to Belusha and you suck or you, you have a good race. You know, it plays on your mind for a second. But, you know, all in all, it's, it's just about trying to get settled in, get in a groove, try to get some momentum going. And, um start picking off the races you know there's so much racing left to do that uh you can't you can't add points now but you know when you get to that five race stretch you kind of got to know where you're at who you're battling against you know what races are coming up that are strong and, and that's what really helped me out last year was the way that the, the series flowed and um you know when i got finally feeling healthy enough to be able to push during the week training and then also push at the racetrack, you know, kind of set me up to where my strong tracks were when I was feeling pretty good too. Yeah. It's actually real fast. Let me follow up on that. It's kind of crazy. Um, you talk about everybody trains all winter for, you know, they want to win the opener. It's, um, like that mindset going back to when I first turned pro, um, everybody was, you know, training or practicing. It didn't even seem like the whole off season we're, we're getting ready for, you didn't really hear people even say this season, you heard Daytona short track. It's like, yeah, we're getting ready for Daytona short track. Like people were short tracking months at a time and, and just getting ready for the opener. And it's like, well, shit, we have 17 to 20 more rounds after Daytona. Um, you know, it, it, and then when we had Daytona TT as well, it's like, everybody was, you know, TT training and for months and then like setting, you know, putting their focus on that first round. Um, and I think a lot of that might've been too, because we had Daytona, and then we had like, what was the next race? A lot of the times it, you know, was what Springfield in May. Springfield, um, yeah. It's crazy. So you're, um, I wanted to talk about the schedule this year and are you a guy, I mean, obviously every racer, like probably like wants to race, keep racing every weekend. Like what is a break? Um, personally, I, I hate the month breaks in between races um, from March to October and only doing 17, 18 rounds. I hate it. Um, I hate it for the fans you know, you build up a storyline, then you have to wait a month to get back to it. Um, I, I don't like our schedule. That's one thing, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of what are your thoughts and how do you handle like the month break in between some of these races? Like the COVID year for me, I thought was awesome because hell we did fucking eight races in a month. Like it was, I like to keep racing, um, build momentum. Um, if you win, you want to go back out and keep that momentum going. And if you have a bad race, like you don't have to wait long like this for me, Volusia, um, you know, I had another shot a few days, you know, a few days later, it seemed like. So what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, personally, I don't mind a little bit of a break here and there. Um, you know, I, I, this might be a little bit long and especially too early. Like, there was a year where we went pretty hard and then we had, like, the whole month of July off, like a summer break like MotoGP does. And I was cool with that. I, I, I didn't mind that. Uh, and I don't mind some of the breaks, even for the team, like Kenny and Bubba. I mean, obviously, they're a little bit older and it's uh, it's good to give them a break as well. But as far as the flip that, for the sport, building the sport, building the fan, it is terrible. Um, we need to do like Supercross and Motocross and mostly MotoGP and football where we're racing week in and week out and keeping that fan enthused. For sure, for sure, man. I, I man, like, I, I, I don't like even myself, even, even myself would just like lose interest in Supercross. But it's like, a routine for me right now saturday evenings when i'm not racing especially january and february it's like do my thing saturday train whatever and have some dinner and enjoy supercross that night like that's that's my night right yep. that's where you need to build for our fan base and we it's difficult to do like last year was a perfect example springfield then then sacramento good storyline like i'm running briar down in the championship chase a little bit of animosity like you know, it's getting good for the fan, right? Outside looking in. Oh, we got a six-week break to the next round. And then it's rained out. It's like, that, that doesn't work. So I'm all good with doing a back-to-back -back schedule. Uh, but we would almost, I think, need to start almost a little bit later. Or if we started like we start in March and we went every weekend, we'd be done in like August. Um, you know, so I mean either one would be good but i do think to build the fan and to increase the viewership of our sport we need to run more consistently closer together you know maybe have a couple weekends off here and there that's fine but we definitely need to tighten up our our, our window and not have such a big gap so but i don't mind having a you know being a little bit older and you know it's nice having some weekends off to do things with the family in the summertime and stuff and um, I guess it makes lengthening the career in flat track a little bit easier rather than like supercross motocross, man, them guys, they don't get no time off. And you see why I understand why they are done by 28, 30 years old. You know, it's just, it's, they, they, they got such a grind, man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. It, 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 it there's definitely a, there's definitely a fine balance. I think we can do. And I think we could when I say we, I think, you know, AFT could, could tidy up a few things. And I, I'm not sure if there's a reasoning behind the long breaks. Um, maybe it's just like the other track schedules. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to try and bash them too bad, but I, I do think that there's gotta be something. I mean, two weeks max is, is, you know, and then go back to race again for the third week would be my max. You know, I'm not opposed to taking a week off here and there, but you know, like you said, you get into a rhythm, you get into a groove. And now like with my guys, I'm like, like, all right, doll, we got to go find a couple outlaw races because we still need to learn that bike some more. And, you know, we got a month off and, and, and yeah, it's good for training, but man, I'm trying to, you know, you know, as well as I do, man, sometimes the best info you get is on race day. And, uh, so that's kind of where we're at, but I want to shift gears. Yeah, if it's think, okay with, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I think mainly, you know, the, the, the answer to the question of why we have gaps is hundred percent locations and other venues. I mean, that's, that's probably the biggest problem and hurdle that we have you know i mean we can't go race in pennsylvania right now today you know what i mean well i mean maybe you could today but I, 
it, it's just the weather is such a big key factor of where we go. Um, I mean, yeah, there's racetracks in Arizona and there's racetracks all in the South that we could be racing right now, but you know, we got to deal with horse racing and everything, you know, spring cars. So, uh, I think that's what makes it so tough. So uh, I do want to shift gears on you, Jared, cause I, I like this segment and with you particularly, you've raced against, you know, some of the, the greats cause hell, what, what actually, when did you turn pro like Oh one, Oh two. Uh, 2002. 2002. 2002. Yeah. So you've been through quite a bit. You you never really technically did. Did you? When did Parker retire? 2000. So you never got to battle with him, but you took on some other no. some other some other greats. And um, I mean, I have a segment that was pretty fun called you know, man, fuck that guy. But it seems like every championship you've had like a knockdown drag out with with a certain person, whether it be you know, I I remember personally, you know, you and Sammy had a few good years now you and Briar, but are there any riders out there that you're like, man, I don't care if I ever race against that dude ever again. Um, not really. I mean, three or four years ago, it probably would have been Sammy, but I'm good with Sammy right now. I mean, uh, we've actually, uh, kind of bonded pretty good the last couple of years. So, but there was a time it was Sammy, you know, it definitely was Sammy, but I mean, as much as I was like, and screw racing against him. I wanted to race him so bad because <laughs> I just love the uh, the battles. I love the last lap, last lap stuffs and jams, and you know the the words at the podium. You know what I mean? You're like looking back on that. I mean, in the very moment, you're like, man, I'm gonna kill this guy. But looking back on it, you know that's what that's what was so much fun. You know, going to those outlaw races and just not giving a shit. You know. Yeah, for sure. And I, I got to see a bunch of good ones. And I mean, the cool thing is, hell, I remember, I mean, I've got vivid memories of you doing it, you know, way back in the day. And then, and then hell, the, the thing about you though, it's so cool is because you don't really back down from a challenge. Like nobody's going to intimidate you, but the worst part about racing against Jared's I've seen from other racers, is just like, you welcome it. Like perfect example. You're, you're like 48 years old now. And Tyler Scott's like 13 years old at Throwdown. And he's like trying to give you the beans, and I could see this shit-eating grin in your helmet, like, like, come on, kid, like, you know, like I'll take everything you could throw at me, and I'll give it right back to you, and you damn sure did. And like me, I remember watching me and Corey were standing there, like, this is like one of the greatest things ever, and like that little fucker <laughs> got into so many people's heads, and you're just like, yeah, man, you know, I just had to remind him, you know, who the champ is, and like, <laughs> it's just freaking badass that like, you're, you know, because there are times, and there's there's racers that have gotten older and seasoned and they're like man i don't want nothing to do with them young kids screw that and you're like well bring on the next batch like jared Mees. i don't know how many of them you know five-year-old kids i can beat up at once but i'm gonna take them all on like i don't care yeah definitely no that was that was actually a lot of fun so i'm like this 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 little shit is giving me a fit and uh <laughs> it was like it was like it was like man i went out there and i'm like he's poking me with a knife Nice, and I'm about ready to pull a gun on him right now because I'm over it. I'm gonna put him in his spot, and uh, and it was it was a good battle. But yeah, he was he was getting crucified left and right. And you know what? When I sat back and I was driving home that night thinking about that and thinking about the weekend and watching how he rode, I mean, I couldn't help myself but to almost see myself back when I was like young like that. Like I might not have been that darty. <laughs> yeah, I guess it would be the right word for him. Like. He was, he was, he was darting for you. I don't think I was quite like that, but what I was, what was cool was 
that guy didn't care if it was a guy with the number one plate next to him or if it was a guy that was third in the championship or a leaker. He was giving the beans to whoever was in front of him. And that's, I remember lining up at outlaw races back in the day. I remember Amelia, Virginia, going there and putting it on Hacker on like my 252 stroke and not even caring who the hell Mike <laughs> Hacker was. And uh, well, they have the same thing. So like, like for me, I was like, man, that's cool. That kid's going to go someplace for sure. They do need to try. I mean, all, you know, they, they need to just tame them down a little bit. Somebody needs to get a hold of them and explain to them and walk them through the process. Uh, and the other thing is too, if, if those riders out there and you feed it back to them like I did, he's going to get, he's going to get, a, you know, an eye opener, you know, if he hits yep. the ground because he's owed one, it, it won't take long. Oh, and, and I remember specifically, it's funny you mentioned that too, because again, with Sammy, like the f- first few times I ever hung out and worked for him and stuff, I vividly remember him taking off his steel shoe running around like, cause he had dudes like ready to whoop his ass in Las Vegas, you know, when he was a young little dude and, and same thing, like, I don't care who these guys are, I'm going to win this fucking thing. And I think, you know, Jake Johnson was there and he was trying to give Jake Johnson the beans when Johnson was riding for Zanotti and like, it was the same thing. It's like, all right, dude, you keep poking on me. And finally Johnson like went up the inside kind of half-assed over the inside berm and just freaking slammed and didn't wreck him, but just like, Hey man, you want to hit me? I, I can get right back in you. And remember he got him back at Springfield TT too. Like it, it takes a lot to get Jake fired oh, no. up and, and he fucking just <laughs> kamikaze. Him at Springfield. I was like, man, I remember that. don't poke Jake, man. <laughs> I remember that. That was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah, um, I had some on Sammy like that too. I mean, I had some where it was like, I don't care if we're at the mile, I'm gonna tee this guy up. And I mean, he got me good one time at Pomona when I was going for the championship. Man, if if it would have hit the ground, if I'd have hit the ground and lost that championship, I can tell you right now, he would still not be walking right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got one more question for you, and I do have a few high low line questions, and then we'll let you roll. But uh. Uh, yeah, you're obviously taking over Springfield mile promoting and, uh, I think it's badass, man. I I'm, I'm stoked to see racers like, like you and even Halberd getting involved in promoting races. It's such a good thing for the sport and, um, taking on that race is a, is a huge, like, I mean, it's the biggest race of the year. It's huge. And there's a, there was a big decision this year to, uh, allow singles on the mile at Springfield. And I wouldn't be doing my job as a podcast host if I didn't bring that up and get your thoughts on it as the promoter. And was it, um, for the listeners, like I have some background on it, but for the listeners, was it more of a, your decision, um, AFT, like what led to that decision and what are your, what are your thoughts and what can they do to kind of ensure that that goes as smoothly as possible? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, for me, they brought it up to me, you know, Hey, what is your thoughts on the singles on the mile, you know, coming from the competition side of things and, you know, I'll be straight honest with you. It, it was their decision. I put it on them. I was okay with it. I was fine with it. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I made it very clear to them and very clear to some of the singles riders that brought it up to me that it's, it's a competition decision. And, you know, if I have the right right now to say what can race at my racetrack and what can't, or the track that I'm promoting, I should say, then by all means, when we come to Springfield, we're going to yank the restrictors out of the Indians and we're going to go back to heavy weighted wheels and we're going to be able to run this kind of fuel and we're going to be able to do whatever the hell we want to do. 
Oh no, we, we, no, no, we can't. We, we, that that can't happen. All right, well then, if I can't make that call, then I can't make the call of what I think is safe or not safe on the racetrack for any one of the motorcycles. And that's how I left it. And they deemed to run the singles on the mile, and I'm fine with it. I'm okay with it. We do it at Sacramento. I understand that they're more packed up at Springfield. Um, you know, I believe the I believe Oklahoma City Mile is harder on the singles than any other racetrack on the circuit. Them guys don't even let them breathe. They're popping them off the rev limiter. It's hot. The radiators are plugged from the from the cushion. So it for me, it was just hey, it's competition's decision. Well, that's pretty cool. I didn't uh, I didn't know all that, but as always, it's a good to to get the. Uh the answer from the man itself, but uh, I'm pretty excited about it, about seeing it. You know, I know there's shit can happen on any kind of track. I mean, we saw a terrible pile up in production. Uh, when was it? Um, 19. What, two or three years ago. I mean, 19, yeah, I mean, yeah. shit, shit can happen anytime, man. I mean, it's just, you got to kind of regulate your risks versus reward. And, and, you know, and, and I think having B Smith on the, the committee now or how, whatever his title is like, I really think he's going to do a good job sitting down the the rookies and you know explaining because we have a rookie on our team and, and he's a very i consider a very smart rookie and a very you know well-adjusted kid and i think he'll listen good but i know there's some other rookies that are going to be coming out and then you know as, as long as and it doesn't have to be rookies man hell there's some veterans that that ride like a-holes sometimes too we all know that but uh, uh I'm, I'm, <laughs> i think I'm pretty... uh you know yeah i think the other thing that might help too is um Back when we did have single one at Springfield, uh, you know, what was it, 2010, 11, 12? Um, we were running right around the rail, uh, you know, around the groove on the rail there. And since we kind of, I don't know, ever since like 2018 and we jumped on the Indians, we started stretching up and moving up on the racetrack um, and riding around the, the corners wider and, and higher. Um, and I think that could maybe help create some separation possibly for the, for the 450 singles, because you're more, it's more slippery or more broken half. It seems like you're, you're spinning more, you're sliding more. So I think that could maybe create some separation rather than being locked down on such an abrasive, hard groove and making it so easy to go right around the bottom. Um, yeah. so I'm kind of hoping that we could still stay up there and, and do that. But then again, was the reason why we were around the pole running like we were because of the singles I, I don't know uh but i'm hoping that we can get up off the racetrack like we've been in the years past for the single safety sake on, on all that or I shouldn't say safety sorry i should say separation sake um but you know like i said it was uh it wasn't i, I didn't want to make the decision and i made that very clear to them and i'm okay with it to be honest with you if they didn't, weren't racing it <laughs> it saved me money because i wouldn't have to pay their purse <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. You're exactly right there. I was right just going to bring I mean, that up. I was going to bring up the purse thing. Like, as a promoter, it's like, yeah, uh, a lot of the fans, they don't even realize the promoters pay the purse. So, one less class for you is, uh, you know, you don't, you save money on the purse. But, um, yeah, man, I, it, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up and a lot of good insight. Um, I wanted to, uh, just do this high low line. We, uh, I haven't done it in a few episodes, but I actually have some good ones here I come up with. So, um, this or that one or the other, and maybe a brief explanation on why I have four of them for you. Um, would you rather have back on your Indian FTR 750? If you had an option, would you rather them give you back your heavy wheel or heavy flywheel? Heavy wheel. Heavy wheel. Okay. Interesting. Uh, 
Yeah, interesting. Okay, cool. I'll leave it at that. Um, so next up on the schedule is Odessa, Missouri. And I don't really know shit about that track. Chris Carr said they've raced there back in the day, but it's it's changed a lot. Um, but a lot of people, I was talking with my friends last night, the Boils, and they're like, oh yeah, they raced there a few years ago. It's uh it's in Michigan. I'm like, no, nah, it's Lake Odessa. So you had the pick. Um, <laughs> would you rather go to Odessa, Missouri or Lake Odessa, Michigan for the next race? Well, Lake Odessa. Michigan isn't the same as what we rode it back in the day. It's small. So I guess probably in Missouri, because from what I've gathered with the Michigan track, it's kind of small and crappy now. Okay. Yeah, I had no idea. All right. Um, more likely to race a pro event ever again. Uh, maybe I'll add a third one to this. Uh, B. Smith, Kenny Coolbeth, or Henry Wiles? Who's more likely to race an AFT race again? Mm, well, probably Wiles because considering, you know, Fulbeth said, hey, I, yeah, I'm done. And uh, Brian basically said, yeah, hey, I'm done. Uh, and Wiles hasn't. Then I, I'm going to say Wiles. Do you think but he may have yeah, Oh, dude, I got to agree with that one, man. I, I, I tell Cor or Corey, I tell Coolbeth all the time, like, man, come on, there's one comeback. And, dude, he's, he's done. He's so done. And, uh, but B. Smith, I think I think you could dangle a carrot in front of him, but I gotta still agree with Jared on the the Henry thing because he hasn't announced any kind of retirement. And I mean, nobody really knows what he's doing, to my knowledge. Maybe just hanging out on the ice. But uh, is he racing pure? Yeah, Brian. Brian would probably do it um, on a mile only. I mean, his wrist is actually really way more messed up than what anybody really knows. I mean, we go mountain biking sometimes, and there's there's times after he mountain bikes that he's like, man, my wrist is killing me right now and it's like dude that wasn't even that you know crazy you know what i mean so i can only imagine pounding through some of the holes and stuff i mean even when we trail ride and stuff he's he's you know he's favoring that thing so it would have to be like a springfield or a sacramento but i don't know if I, yeah i don't i mean he may do it especially yeah i don't know <laughs> if he gets a jared Mees indian at sacramento or springfield offered to him he would totally do it yeah, you would. Maybe a half mile, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you um, think hey, uh, I, got, I got real fast follow up, and then I'll let you do one, Rob. Uh, do you think he races Peoria, Jared Wiles? Yeah, I, I have a feeling he's going to break out that um, that uh, Kawasaki Moto Framer thing that he's got, and potentially give us a run or give you know give it a go. Uh, I mean, that's the only thing I see him really doing, right? I mean, it's kind of probably the only bike he's got. It's obviously his best chance. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where I would see him possibly. You know how it'll be too, man. It'll be one of those things where his entry or his name will show up on the entry form and everybody will be like, there he is, you know. So I, I can could, I could definitely see it. I got I got one for the uh, the flattrack.com old timers, Jared. Uh, it, oh, and it, I know on your per on the perfect day, on the perfect track, like depending if you had your choice, are framers or DTX bike the way to go? Perfect day, perfect choice. Yeah, well, okay. Obviously, there's certain times like like Springfield so hooked up, a framer is kind of hard to ride on Springfield short track. But I'm just trying to give a scenario to see if like like if you would prefer it. So give me a track that like you could go and win on either one, and then which one would you prefer to win on? I guess Does that makes sense. Yeah, I think that. 
the DTX bikes are so good uh, today. I don't think that the framers really can beat them, uh, except for if it was like a cushion half mile. But Green even then, man, like, yeah, green with Justin Velicky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough. Um, tough to beat a framer there, especially like a big board Rotex or something. But to be honest with you, as far as anything else goes. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, a couple of times I've tried to show up with my framer and think I was, you know, hot shit showing up with one. And, dude, I, I feel so awkward sometimes on them and get on a DTX bike and just feel way more at home. I don't, I don't really understand it. But, uh, you know, some of the slippery clay half miles, you know, maybe, you know, like a Port Royal or something, maybe a framer. But it just and maybe the framers that we all built back in the day were totally wrong. You know, like they need to be completely redone from ground up. I don't know, but it just seems like the few times that I've tried to ride one, no way. I mean, go to Winter Throwdown, for example. I mean, I understand it's rough, but there ain't no one in the world that's keeping up with those DTX bikes. You know? No, I mean Carver yeah. about kicked his own ass. Uh, a couple, I mean, he did it one year. Was it the first year where he was like on the very outside of the track where it was the smoothest, but still, though, I mean, what did he get like? I don't know. Like, well, look at how DTX bikes have evolved from like the 02, 03 days of Nikki Hayden and Jake Johnson and all them guys riding the DTX bikes. I mean, they were typically like set up lower. Um, you know, the suspension was way different. Uh, you know, everybody was, it, they were just set up way different. And now DTX bikes are, you know, they're raised up pretty tall. The, the rebound is a lot faster. It's, you know, used to set up the DTX bikes like a framer. And now, um, you know, I just, nobody's really fucked with framers for a long time. So, uh, I'm sure they could find a setup that worked if they had to, but even if they allowed framers in the singles class now, there might be only like two or three guys that would even try it. I don't even think they try it. So, but, and, and that's like kind of a follow-up question. Like what, okay. The easy follow-up question, what track in today's schedule, and I'm actually going to pull the schedule up, but what track would you be like, you know what? I'm breaking out the framer, Jared, because Jared has access to, you know, two of the best framers with the Pulliams. I mean, those Dalton rode those things. He's like, God damn, then where, where were these things at back in the day? But um, let's look at the schedule here. Maybe, maybe Springfield mile. mile, Sacramento Mile. Yeah, all, all, all the miles, I would think, because they'd be lighter. Um, you know, I feel like they would probably be a little bit of a benefit. But other than that, you know, maybe, maybe a Port Royal if it's uh, super slippery like it was last year. Um, yeah. But I mean, to be honest with you, that singles class doesn't need to be touched. That singles class. No, no, no. I know, I know. This is just it's for awesome. this is just for I the mean, flat track dudes, the old timers. Yeah, it 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 really is a good class. It's it, you know, there's multi brands. There's good good battling, good racing. I mean, that that doesn't need to be touched at all. No, and and in all reality too, though, if you allowed framers in, and who knows? I mean, you know, you'd probably see KTM not interested. I know Mike Turner ain't gonna build six Honda framers, you know. So, uh, I mean, Estenson, yeah, I would, would think, would probably have one. Yeah, well, he, he might. They'd be badass, though. But, but you know, uh, majority of them wouldn't have them. But do you think yeah. – you said cushions, but I almost wonder, is Lima too deep for a framer? Like a fr 450 framer? Uh, no, no. I wouldn't think it's too deep. Um, it might get a little bit too rough and choppy. And I, I don't know. Back in the day when, when we ran Formula USA – uh, and you were allowed to run like weight on a bike or, or the framer had to weigh a certain amount and the DTX bike could be whatever. Um, 
when the cushion the cushion half miles came up like Rochester, New Hampshire, and stuff, it was it was you couldn't even keep up with a, D, or a, a framer on a DTX bike. But today's world, you know, things are different. You know, there's back in the day when we were running a DTX bike against the framers. You know, people were just sending their suspension to any motocross shop. They didn't know what to do. So they were just literally lowering them, leaving the valve completely stock. And, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I mean and, 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 yeah. and, now, and now, you know, there's, yeah, exactly. I mean, they were just like, oh, how much you want it lowered? Four inches, three inches, whatever. Okay. They chop yeah. the springs and shove well, it in there. And all of a sudden, now they're you know, shifting. And then, you know, like, it's crazy how oh, it's changed. It's changed so much. Like, uh, I rode Trent Lowe's bike the other month and, I'm like, what gear are you running this thing? And he's like, I'm shifting. I'm like, you're fucking shifting. Gosh, darn it. Like, I just like never, I was like, damn, where everybody shifts like on all these 450 tracks. But um, anyway, I got I think one they more. Shift, I think they shift mainly because uh, I think they shift a lot more today because uh, we're passing sound. And when you shove that cork in the exhaust to get them to pass sound, it kind of kills the mid range. And I think mm-hmm. that's the reason why they're shifting them is because they can't pull up through uh the, the range fast enough that's my feeling i don't know uh, it makes sense yeah i never thought about that i hated it i was like man i gotta shift and they're shifting on like miles and everything like every clay half miles it's yeah it was weird for me to shift it but um i got one more for you and then we'll let you get get going but man this was an awesome show i really appreciate it um i think the fans are gonna love it but how many indians do you uh how many indian motorcycle ftr 750s do we see on the grid next year more than six or less than six I would probably say more than six. I think it's all going to depend on uh, Indian involvement. For, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's all going to depend on Indians' involvement uh, for the future. You know what I mean? Like, they haven't uh, came to me yet and said, hey, we're going to be in for next year or we're going to be out. They told me they would let me know uh, end of May, 1st of June to see where they were at. Um, so I think if they go away then it could probably be right about six depending on like you know what the series does too is uh is there any any word from you or from indian uh, if say the ftr is just done and the indian wants to stay in it are they thinking about any is there any kind of production indian that could or would be used or are they going to be like ftr or nothing or do you know yeah i i i mean unless unless they know something that i don't obviously uh they have the FTR 750 and that's all they got. And yeah, I didn't uh, know if, I didn't know if maybe, and I know it's silly, but you know, Roland's got such a big deal in the Indian stuff. If, if, if those hooligan engine platforms, I know you guys have to have legit frames, but I don't know if I've never ridden one before. So I don't know if you have or not, but are, is that even a viable power plant if you had to de-stroke it or board or whatever you got to do? No, there was some talk about maybe trying, trying something out there. Um, my personal opinion is, is if they want to go to production, and this is way off topic, but hear me out for a second. My personal opinion is, is if they want to go to a production platform completely and still try to keep Indian involved, attract back Harley Davidson and go that direction, then they need to make the rules a minimum of a thousand CCs to 1200 or 1300 CCs and we all start back from scratch from ground zero and we all run production based thousand cc motorcycles of course super twins you know style well to a certain extent with frames and such the only reason i say that is because you're able to attract harley back in with their 1200 sportster 
Pan Pan America thing or whatever it is. Indians got the FTR twelve hundred. You know, Suzuki's got a TL one thousand. KTM makes a twelve ninety. Um, there is there is so many more options for manufacturers to get involved. And the bottom line is, like, I think the number one sold motorcycle for KTM is that twelve ninety. And you know, obviously, Indian Motorcycle has the uh, FTR twelve hundred. So I think a lot more uh, manufacturers would look at like, man, we sell quite a few of these, these, you know, motorcycles in the, in Europe and here in the U.S. and blah blah blah. I mean, honestly, the the 600, uh, 650 Kawasaki's and the 700 Yamahas and stuff, like, I mean, they're they're entry level motorcycles. They're motorcycles you use to go get a motorcycle test. They're a motorcycle you give your wife or your girlfriend to ride. I understand we're pumping them up and doing our thing, but as far as the manufacturer goes to try to, to market that, it's difficult. You know, the, the Harley doesn't even make the XG750 anymore. It's done. It's history. It's, you know, they don't want nothing to do with it no more. So if you're going to try to attract Harley Davidson back in the sport, they would probably say yes to a 1200, 1250 panhandle, Pan America, whatever you call it, sportster, get involved with that starting from scratch rather than, going back to the XG that they struggled on for so many years on something they don't even make anymore. So yeah, you know, you've, that's a damn good point. It's, it's, it's a big, it's, you know, people are going, man, this guy's off his rocker. But if you really step back and you think about what would, what manufacturers may want, hell, we would look, it would take a lot of work on our side of things. I get it. But we, and we are at a spot right now in the sport where we almost need to like rebirth it again and start over and go to these manufacturers and go, what do you guys want to see? And well, and for, you know, you, you look at the bagger series right now with Harley and Indian and guys are about ready to spend whatever it takes to beat one another. That is awesome. That's what we need, right? Oh, and look at the viewership. It, Just look at the viewership from Moto America. They'll tell you. Exactly. Nobody watches. Exactly. Super so, <laughs> right. So if we, if we did that here back in black track where you had the 1200, 1250 sports for going against the, the 1200 FTR 750, the rest will follow. I mean, you're the only brand that I don't know that makes something that big is the Yamaha. They make that no. triple. Which, I'm looking which, right now. I'm looking. Which it's you a, might you might have to you might have to allow a triple to be involved with it. I I mean, like I said, there's so much ironing out. I get it. And hell, if Yamaha was the only one that didn't get to play ball, but everybody else did, but it was a Harley Indian back battle again, like, and that's you know, back what we need, right? I mean, that's that's what we're missing right now. But Yamaha makes that's a Super Tenere 1200 twin. Oh, they do? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. There you the go. Super Tenere 1200 twin. Go. Triumph has their 1200 Bonneville, so you might get those guys back out. Now, uh, KTM, Honda's got the Africa. So, I mean, you hit the nail on the Correct. head. I mean, yeah, you got to yep. do, do this yep, stuff. Yeah, they do. And that, that, would, that would maybe attract Honda to get back involved. Because, I mean, Honda actually likes flat track a lot like i'm actually pretty tight with the honda guys just i've been riding a honda for a long time um i speak to them time to time they actually you know help me a little bit even with my practice bike uh but they're just like hey we would love to be involved on the twin side of things but we just don't have anything and we're definitely not going to purpose build something you know we just can't do that but if they had a chance to stretch their muscles on that africa twin against the ducati 1290 and the Africa Twins actually a pretty highly sold motorcycle, believe it or not. Um, of course, they'd be involved. Why wouldn't they? That's the thing that the that the series almost needs to try to think about is 
how do we not make the manufacturers say no to being involved in our series? Because right now with the with the class structure is and the tiny little 700s and 650s, none of them want nothing to do with it. Brian Smith got off his, his Indian, got back on a Kawasaki, and they barely would give him T-shirts. Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Oh, we don't Good have nice. a budget. Well, you... Well, you don't have the budget because it doesn't make any sense for you to run a 650 Kawasaki. Just say it, right? Yep. The budget thing so, is funny because when, have... when you look at the numbers they're paying uh, some of the riders in other series, it's like, ah, eh, some budget there. You just don't want to spend it in flat track. Well, the not in the budget is a nice way to say no. I mean, come yeah. on, right? It's just yep. literally, oh, it's not in the budget. Ah, it's, no, that's a no. <laughs> Well, and you could still have your production twins class and have it, you know, 600, 700 twins or whatever. Cause as a, you know, you as a these... production twins guy, I, I agree that it needs to be, we need to be running together, but it's got to make sense. Um, and right now it's hard to find that and balance. I, so we'll see. Yeah. I mean, the, the tougher thing is, is that everybody on the riders and the team side of things, and this, we hear about this all day long, right? Is we hear, what do you what do you want me to do with my 700 Kawasaki or my 700 Yamaha? And what what do you expect me to do with my my Indians and all the bikes that I have and all the money I invested into it and blah 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 blah. And it's like, listen, guys, I mean, like the GNG Yamaha, for example, that thing was built like 12 years ago, dude. That thing depreciated on taxes twice over. Like you've got your money out of that thing, guys. You got your money out of all these motorcycles. You look at the singles class, every two years, they'll build, they're building $20,000 brand new singles to keep up with the contingency and the new latest and the greatest Technology. and the best and the best. Same thing in road racing, same thing in motocross. So it's like, why should flat track be any different? Everybody got their motor, their money out of every one of their twins over the years, except for the Essendon guys. There hasn't been anybody that has built a brand new motorcycle in our sport in the last three years, four years, five years. I mean, people bought the XG, but other than that, it's like no one has built a Kawasaki or a Yamaha ground up except for the SEC guys. But I mean, they show up with something new every week, right? So yeah. everybody's got their money out of all their motorcycles. If it, if it all makes sense and all the manufacturers were to go and say, we're, we're for this 1200 thing or this 1000 CC thing, and we're, we'd be involved with this, then it's time to start over and start from scratch. There is some things that you could peel off your 700 and stick on your 1200 and probably make work but you know I, i'm so overhearing the team owners and the people saying well what do you expect me to do with my twenty five thousand dollars suction suction thirty forty thousand dollars suction shut hey dude sorry sell it put it in the back burner put it in the corner but if time to move forward i mean what do you expect do you guys does anybody build a twin and go cool i'm set for 10 years i'm set for 10 years guys we're good we're set for 10 years Nah, yeah, come on. no, especially in racing, yeah. you know, especially, no, I mean, really good take, man. Well, that's a, uh, that's some good stuff that the fans need to hear. And you don't see that too much. And I know it's probably hard for you to sit, sit back and read a lot of the stuff and, and not comment on some of the stuff, but, um, I yeah, do comment on some stuff that makes, uh, that, that is just so point blank stupid. I do comment on some stuff, but I bite my tongue like everybody does. I mean, and everybody's so hard. I mean, man, there's just so much negativity right now about the sport and I get it. You know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to uh, be upset about, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, we got to be thankful that we have a place to go and race weekend and week out to, you know, American flag track and all them. They are trying hard. I mean, 
you know, they do, they do work extremely hard. They're extremely understaffed right now. Um, yeah, outside looking in, we could all say, well, why didn't they do this? And why didn't they do that? And why did they make that decision? We always are going to question somebody's mistakes when the mistake's already done and over with. But you know, It's just all these guys hard. that are sitting behind a keyboard that. that just, they want to just, everybody's a track expert like me and Rob talked about. Everybody is a marketing genius. They, they have all these ideas, you know, and it's, it's easy to sit back and, and talk about it. But if, you know, very uncommon that a lot of these fans aren't even showing up at the track. So if they could show up, buy a ticket and support, you know, support what's going on. And uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, you can get caught up in that stuff all the time, but. um, Clearly the only solution is two stroke framers going forward. (laughs) That's the only solution that I'd love to hear. I love to hear that. (laughs) Yeah, I see Jared Meath out there trying to trying to find some freaking twin cylinder two stroke parts. <laughs> like, God damn it, this thing's. Dude, have you have you seen my flat track swapping shop? I probably got enough to keep going for a long time. <laughs> I know, I know, Jared. You need your own eBay, dude, just to sit there and sell off some of your. Stuff. Can we talk real quick before I let Jared go? Can we talk about the sprockets thing? Yeah, I can tell you all about it. He got mad. I didn't even try and talk him down on pricing or anything. And I made a profit off of him. And that's the worst thing you can do is make a profit off of Jared Mees. I don't know what you're talking about. What are you th- oh, you're talking about that stack of sprockets you bought off me? That I bought and like immediately flipped? <laughs> yeah. Dude, you were was- so mad. I gave you a deal and you turned around and, and, and flipped it on me. That was like the raw deal. I was like, yeah, dude, hey, I'll, I'll hook you up. Like, I'll give them to you dude, for this. You need them. But I and did- you turn around and sell them on me. <laughs> dude, I, I didn't even I, negotiate I, the I, price. My my father-in-law did that to me one time with a motocross bike. Nicole's dad, I lost my noodle about it. We were freaking, I had to die. You're not allowed <laughs> to profit off of Mies. You cannot profit off of Mies. I learned that well, the hard you way. Can't, you can't profit off a friend that's given you a good deal for you to take that product but I paid your make money on it. I paid your asking price. If I would have been like, hey, man, look, give me a $100 friend discount. But it was a good price. I admit, you gave me a good price. I did not say, hey, man, can you do a little bit cheaper? Will you ship them for free? No. You literally had Kenny throw them in the side of the truck. I picked them up, and I flipped them, and you got angered. Really? Is that how it went? <laughs> That's how I remember it. <laughs> he talks about it all the time, so I had to bring it up. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. He got me back. Uh, I had it took me like uh, I don't remember. I owed him like twelve dollars one time, and by the time interest was paid back, it was turned into like three hundred dollars oh, yeah. or something. Greenville, yeah, yeah Greenville. <laughs> I remember that. Hey man, can, I, can you bring my purse to me? Hey man, I'm in a tough bind right now. Yeah, you're gonna have to hold off on your purse. Okay, <laughs> sure. that sounds good. Jared could well, make either- like he could make ten grand at a race, but if you short him five bucks, he's gonna text you the next week. And I don't know if you have like a note, like a notepad that you keep track of, but. He like members every little bit. It's like, damn, dude, like you gotta respect dude, that. It's like, all right. Jared Mee still has his lunch money from middle school, dude. <laughs> his parents would give him five bucks. No, he'd, I only got... spend, he'd only spend two. He'd save the rest. It's like, <laughs> no, I got somebody else's lunch money still from back then. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Oh, man. All well, right. dude, yeah. I appreciate you coming on the show, man. It was uh, really awesome. And uh, yeah, it was yeah, a good we'll, one. That's a good we'll, one. We'll catch up with you down the road, dude. Thanks again. Be safe, right, dude. Man. Hey, guys, and uh, see you guys in a moment. Sounds All good, man. man. Later. Uh, that was good, Rob. Jared Meese, dude. That dude, was, that was uh, so that, that was, was that was.
awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We could have kept going, but man, fucking good insight. And, uh, it's, you know, good I'm to not hear, against to that. I want, I want to, I want to, are we still live too? Like are we still on? Yeah. Yeah. We're live. We're live. Okay. Like, no, I mean, I want to, I want to sit down and put some stuff to paper and see like what brands do make that size bike. I mean, I hear a lot of people or I can already tell like, Oh, they're never going to hook them up. But like, that's not a bad thing. Right. Like, like if nobody's hooking up, it's still a great show. Somebody's going to figure it out, but I'm not, I mean, just outside looking in, I hadn't even thought about that, but you know, you know him, he's a thinker, dude. He's always going to be like scheming something. And that kind of makes sense. Like that's a way to keep Indian in it. That's a way to get Harley back in it. You know, I don't know what, you know, Estenson's plans are. Now I do know that, you know, one big guy that would definitely probably not be thrilled initially would be Jerry, you know, cause he's got so much invested, but, um, but man, I, something I do want to touch base on. Maybe on the next show, I'll get a list of all the brands that we'll call it the the Mies program or something silly like that. But uh, I'll I'll do some legwork and see what uh, what brands could potentially come back in the sport with that. Well, and I just I don't know, man. Like it's it sucks. Like for anybody like Jerry, any of them guys to have to rebirth and rebuild, it'd be tough, but I really don't think those Indians are going to lose a bunch of value. Um, I think those no, bikes are highly sought after bikes. They're beautiful machines. Like I'd like to have one. Um, you know, I would like to just put one in my garage. So, uh, yeah, I, I think those bikes are going to hold their value really well. Um, as opposed to like, I think the XG is going to have some value as well, but I just, you know, I just think the Indian motorcycle, it might go down as the, 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 you know, most badass flat tracker of all time. And, you can make that argument, but, um, yeah, no, it was good. And yeah, good to, man, that was a, that was a good show. I, I was really, I was stoked on that one. So a lot of good stuff. Um, we got a few month break. We got a couple good guests lined up. We got Danny Eslick scheduled for our next show. He actually, uh, is out of the country. I don't know where he's going, but he's, uh, he was going to come on this week and then he had, he's, uh, he had it headed out. So we got, we got slick coming on, which will be, absolutely amazing having him on um that guy can finish 69th and he's still doing wheelies after the race so um so we got him coming up on the show and just yeah more stuff whoever you guys want to see hit us up let us know um real fast i want to sh- sh- shout these sponsors one more time mission foods bell power sports yamaha motorsports and yamaha racing indian motorcycle motor moto america dunlop motorcycle tires and then jerry stinchfield roof systems of dallas texas um any closing thoughts, Rob? Uh, appreciate you taking I, time from work, man, to come on. Yeah, man. No, I mean it's 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 kind of crappy weather here, and I'm just at the auctions looking at buying bikes and stuff. So I'm 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 pretty free today. But uh, no, the only thing I want to add is just um, you know thoughts out for uh, you know Tanner Dean, and I think uh, Jones got hurt. Uh, um, you know any, any of the riders Hart, that, yeah. that yeah Lane Hart yeah yep so. Um, you know, t- definitely one of them tough things, like both of them wrecked, like right in front of where I was standing and, and, uh, it's never a good view to see, uh, you know, Trevor, I know, gosh, dang, man, I've never seen a bike like do that. Like Trevor's, uh, forks were like completely like, they were like two times longer than motocross forks. So I don't know what happened know. or what, but, um, but it was good to see him walk off, but, uh, man, just uh, Tanner Dean, man, just cannot get a lucky break, man. Cause the dude was riding good. Um, just one of them crazy things, man, you know, just. I mean, that's racing, you know, you're gonna have a wreck, but it just seems like he's got a freaking magnet sometimes. What did you change on your mic? Your mic is like making weird oh, sounds. Sorry. Sorry. It might've, is that better? No, nah, it's all good. We're, uh, we're, we're wrap on this. <laughs> no, you, it was, it was a badass dude. Uh, thanks again for coming on all the fans subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. Um, appreciate all the support. It's really cool having all the fans come up at, uh, Oh, real fast. I had a, uh, 
I had a fan come up. I always have people that suggest they always make suggestions on, uh, on who to have on the show. I welcome that. Like, I would love to hear everybody you guys want to have on. Um, most of the time it's feasible. 95% of the time it's like, yeah, that would be badass. Like Jeremy McWilliams. I want to have him on the show. Somebody uh, recommended Jeremy McWilliams who won the bagger race at Daytona, uh, just a complete legend in, in motorcycle racing. Um, so I want to have him on the show, but, uh, I had a fan, I had probably 20 people on the autograph line. Um, it's really cool talking with all the fans of Texas and, uh, cause we're not doing OKC this year, which I'm bummed about the fans. there are amazing. A lot of them come, they went down and supported, uh, Texas. I had a fan. I don't know. I don't know who it was, but he was a listener, really, really nice guy. And he's like, Hey, you should get Bill Warner on the show. And I was like, ah, yeah, I just don't know, man. I don't know if that would work. Cause uh, I just don't know if I could talk to Bill for that long in the pod. So um, yeah, it was, it was just kind of funny. Cause I've always said like that one would be a challenging interview for me. Cause we just don't get, we just don't get along and I don't fucking sugarcoat it. Like I'm not going to bring people on and pretend, you know, it's, I just can't do that for the sake of a show. So it was just funny. I'm like, yeah, there's just one problem. I just, I don't think I could talk to him for an hour. <laughs> like all the respect <laughs> in the world for the guy, but I just don't really want to talk to him for an hour. So he's like, all right, yeah. well, have a good day. <laughs> it's like, all right. I think I'd, uh, you'd probably not be able to have me. He probably wouldn't come on if, if I was on too, because him and I don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. And, and realistically, I would just, I would just probably spend most of the time just hammering on his politics. But uh, um, yeah. other than that, I mean, yeah, you got to respect the guy. Like he's, he's a brilliant motorcycle engineer, mechanic, whatever you want to call it, you know, all of the yeah. above. Um, but I would like to say a uh, shout out to Mike kid. Uh, he did not punch me in the face when we saw each other in Texas. So him and I do have some, him and I battle really good on Facebook together, but it's always somewhat respectful and I do respect his views and I maybe hope he respects mine, but I would, I would love to have him on though, just cause, well, I, I don't want it to turn into an AFT bash session either, but he's got lots of insight. You know, he's been a long time promoter and series runner. So uh, maybe we can make that happen. Roger that. Well, again, guys, we out. Uh, appreciate you guys for tuning in and uh, we'll, uh, we'll come back in, I don't know, about a week later.